Hey guys, this is Billy with King Oil & Co. This is Sam Ace Things with Sam Sauce. And thanks for listening to Spill the Sauce Podcast. Twit. Alright, today's episode we have a pretty cool, unique one. Sam, you want to give a little pre-intro to our guest real quick? This is awesome. Um, for my chef experience, I always look forward to speaking with other people um, with just different backgrounds, different uh, things to bring to the table. And it sounds like our guest today, Brian Sow, he has that. He has crushed things in the game. Um, he's a metal dude. Uh, I'm sure he likes some spicy food. So I'm stoked. Here's Brian Sow, chef from New York. What's up? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. What's going hey, on, buddy? Man? Thanks, uh, thanks for doing this. We really, really appreciate it. I know you're a pretty busy guy with a bunch of new, you know, interesting new things going on that we'll talk about. But uh, yeah, man, this is like me and Sam's little uh, chit chat show. You know, talking shit, talking food, bringing on cool guests. And when Sam recommended you, it was a, a no brainer. We had to have you on. So uh, thank you. I'm honored. Right on, man. I guess we'll take it. We'll start with all the way back, man. Like, take us to how you got into food, where you're from. Was it culture that inspired you? Like, how did you get into this? Sure. Uh, you know, I I remember when I was very, very young. I'm talking like four, five, six years old. Um, I would watch Julia Child on PBS. And it was so fucking boring. But her voice was just so magnetizing and i couldn't look away and um you know overall i i was pretty fascinated by what she was doing and i just remember uh one episode in particular where she was making a dough for what i believe is bread but she put a mountain of flour on a on a on a counter made a little well put the water and slowly put you know folded into the water into the flour created a dough I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. But, you know, as far as doing this professionally, I really had no ambitions of doing this professionally whatsoever until um, my early 20s when I started working in a kitchen as a dishwasher. Uh, it was just supposed to be a summertime job, and I I got hooked by the atmosphere, by by the energy, by the people, by the food. Um, I should also mention that this place I was washing dishes at was uh, a pastry factory. So it wasn't even like a hot, you know, it wasn't even like a, a restaurant. It was a wholesale pastry factory. So it was just the atmosphere of the kitchen really was magnetizing. And um, I never looked away, you know, long story short. <laughs> Sick, That's dude, fantastic. Where, where uh, was this? Uh, was this all on the East Coast? Like, where did you grow up? Yeah, so uh, I'm born and raised uh, in New York, New York, Queens, to be more specific. I'm a Queens boy, um, but also grew up a lot in Brooklyn. That's where my father's business is. He's an auto mechanic, and he's been a mechanic for, I mean, much longer than I've been alive. And I'm, you know, thirty, going to be 37 in like four or five days, actually. And my dad has been doing it for way longer than that, all based out of Brooklyn. So... You know, I consider myself a child of both Brooklyn and Queens. Um, and as far as that first summertime job, yeah, that was in um, that was in Brooklyn, actually. 
maybe like a 10 minute drive from my dad's uh, uh, repair shop where, you know, is where like my first job was and I didn't want to work for him anymore. So I'm like, dad, you know, you know, anyone who's hiring and that's actually how I got linked up with the dishwashing job. What? So you owe him a lot, man. So I'm sure this is a, it was a step into a direction. Like you said, summer gig, somebody weren't going to invest too much time in. And it's kind of like a lifelong passion, um, lifelong career. I mean, you could easily sum that up too. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I mean, um, I'm, I'm definitely a lifer, uh, you know, as far as my relationship with food and kitchens and just that entire culture goes, I don't think I'll be pivoting to anything else anytime soon. Like I I've started doing other things, but I'll always have a hand in, in the culinary world one way or another. Yeah, you know, that's awesome. And then even when you uh, when you brought up like your father's experience, you know, being like an auto mechanic, um, I'm sure Billy even heard that from some episode uh, we watched you uh, be on and whoop somebody's ass. Uh, do you just want to like jump right into that? And uh, you know what what am I talking about? Yeah. So, uh, so it was 2014 is when I did the Food Network show Beat Bobby Flay where I came out victorious. I challenged Bobby to um, a meat taco face-off and uh, paid off big time because he would he did not see that coming whatsoever. You know, I challenged him basically to something that's within his own wheelhouse. And uh, I, I think the mental games definitely worked. It also, um, it, it also probably helped my cause that I was giving him death stares the entire time. Like I was just <laughs> on defeating him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know because i really wanted to win i i did chop the year before that and i lost I, mm. and not only did i lose i was also the first one chopped which is you know like i think anyone who goes on chopped and doesn't win you know oftentimes they'll say to themselves like well at least i wasn't the first one chopped <laughs> right like even <laughs> i set for myself when i did chopped i was saying as long as i'm not the first one chopped i'll be happy and I turned out to be the first one chopped. Uh, so when I went in to beat Bobby Flay, I definitely went in with a big chip on my shoulder. But um, yeah, that's uh, that happened in 2014. And it was a complete game changer, complete, you know, life changer for my career. I mean, after the episode aired, maybe four or five months after filming, um, you know, business at the restaurant I was working at at the time. Oh, I'm uh, sure increased by 300 percent overnight yeah i'm sure madhouse and and this was and that's when you were the executive chef at that same restaurant where you essentially probably like took a little leave of absence to uh, be a contestant on the show uh so for beat bobby flay was a day of shooting wow. uh, so it wasn't uh it wasn't too bad uh like i didn't have to take okay. any time off i just took the day off um but yeah you know, those shoots are really long you know they're like minimum 12 13 hours long even even um chopped was like a, even even though i was the first one chopped i think i was still there for like six hours but yeah there, that's something know. else we were kind of curious about like you know the the whole experience um i mean like packing up going there i mean was this in new york as well yes yeah so um i don't oh, know sure. I think Food Network is, I think some of the shows are, are no longer like headquartered in, um, in New York anymore. Mm -hmm. At least when I was doing these shows, 
the headquarters was in Chelsea Market, um, which was very close to the restaurant that I was working at. Like, you know, within walking distance, if, if you wanted to get a little bit of exercise, you know, type of deal. Um, but an easy cab ride um, from the restaurant. So, yeah, I didn't have to, like, pack up my bags or anything. Um, if so, if, yeah, you know, the, the good thing about living in New York is that you're living in New York, right? There's a bunch of <laughs> shit you have access to. And then the shitty thing about living in New York is you're living in New York, right? You have all these <laughs> astronomical taxes and rents and stuff like that, but whatever, I would, I would, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, but to answer your question, um, Sam, I didn't have to like pack my bags. Um, I did try out for food network star and top chef. And those are shows you have to like take time off and pack your shit and, you know, take a leave of absence. Um, I'm, I, I, I got very far in, in the interview process for both shows, but they ended up not accepting me. And like I signed up for numerous seasons. Ultimately, I'm actually glad I never um, did those shows. It's mm. just you know, takes you away from your family. And uh, it's a big time commitment. And, you know, you don't get paid for it. You know, um, you, you, you get the opportunity of a lifetime. But um, it turned out I ended up not needing those shows, I think. Beat Bobby Flay. I'll take the Beat Bobby Flay and, and walk away at that. I have nothing left to prove. <laughs> it's one thing. One thing about the show. Like, that's what I was kind of asking, like where you grew up and like you know where you're from. Is you made something that's completely West Coast. You know, you know from like a guy who comes from the East Coast, because like bulgogi tacos are like huge in LA. You know, like an hour north from where I am. Like every other place has them. Even like actual taquerias will have like bulgogi on the menu now. So it's pretty cool. So like you said, you beat him at his own game. So like. I guess a double-parted question, like, how was that? Like, kind of bringing that to him, like, and what did you mean by, like, kind of beating him at his own game? Because, like, I don't know he was much of, a, like, a taco guy or, like, really anything like, like that at all. Yeah, I mean, before I even go on about Bobby and, you know, his wheelhouse of, of you know, challenging him to tacos, I got to say, I fucking love the West Coast so much. <laughs> and, you know, I it's very clear I was – my dish that beat Bobby was heavily inspired by the West Coast mm. taco. Like my execution was pretty, like it was greatly different from mm. what you would find on the West Coast, but it was a clear inspiration. Totally. Yeah. Um, what What's so beautiful about the West Coast, more specifically California, is that, you know, the um, the Hispanic and the Asian cultures are so ingrained into the fabric of the of the state of you know, just everyday culture, which is not, which is definitely very different from my experiences growing up on the East Coast. Like, yes, there's a big Hispanic and Asian population, but these groups are still pretty, I would say, not segregated, but like kind of keep to themselves in many ways, right? Whereas I feel like on the West Coast, it's very, like you said, a taqueria will now have bulgogi. Yeah. And that's just, you'll find on the east coast um at all so i just wanted to like shout out the west coast <laughs> of the west coast i did i did live there for about half a year uh training at a spot but you know i don't want to go off on a tangent mm -hmm. to answer your question as far as bobby goes um yeah he basically made his career on tex-mex mm -hmm. that's really like in the early days of his career um where he established himself and you know this was Gosh, I mean, when Bobby was coming up with the Tex-Mex stuff, I, 
was it like 15 years ago? Maybe, you know, maybe 20 years ago. It was like after the Emerald boom, um, <laughs> but definitely like in between all like the new wave kind of cool, hip young kids. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Bobby was, you know, doing spearheading the whole Tex-Mex thing on in the Northeast um, before, you know, it is what that scene is today. And also remember, he's doing it, doing it in a more elevated fashion as well. So that's where he made his name. Tacos were obviously on the menu. And, um, you know, when I when when people challenge somebody to something, I think you try to, like, find their weaknesses. Right. And and, uh, and play to your own strengths. But for me, Again, I think because I lost Chopped, um, there was a little bit of like recklessness in my mind. It's like, well, I already lost on national television on one of the biggest shows in the country. And you know, keep in mind, back then, Chopped, I, I did Chopped uh, in 2013. You know, back then, Chopped was much bigger than yeah. what it is now, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I was just like, you know what? If I'm going to be on TV again, I'm just going to, you know, take all the risk because you take 100% of the risk, you, you also reap 100% of the rewards as well, right? And so gamble paid off. 100%. So, like, I guess as, as far as the show, like, when did he, like, when does he find out that that's what you're going to make against him, I guess? Like, you know what I mean? Like, was that early on or was it really, like, right there? Did he have no time to prep? Like, how, how does that go? It was right there on the spot. So the way the show happens is uh, there's a round one between, you know, two um, – I don't want to say amateurs, but two, two, <laughs> chefs, uh, two chefs um, go head to head and Bobby picks a secret ingredient. And that mm-hmm. first round was cauliflower. Which, like, I have a really weird relationship with cauliflower. Like I never cook with it. I, I, it, I find nothing. There's nothing exciting about cauliflower. To me. Yeah. But anyway, like a creamy cauliflower dish won the first round. And then the second round, the challenger gets to pick the dish that they go up against Bobby. So, you know, uh, that's the advantage the challenger has is that you get to pick the dish. So you come in much more prepared, uh, whereas Bobby's hearing it for the first time. So um, (laughs) when I was signing up for the show, I was like, oh, this is great. I'll just challenge him to like Chinese dumplings and I'll (laughs) fuck him up. (laughs) Fuck him up. (laughs) uh, and then it says in a paragraph, like, must be Western-type cuisine, you know? Oh, so uh, okay. I couldn't do, like, bulgogi. Well, I guess I did end up doing bulgogi, but it was still in a vessel of a taco. But if you watch the episode, when I say, you know, the challenge is meat tacos, you can see his face, like, are you are you for real right yeah. now? <laughs> He's like, oh, uh, okay, you know who I am, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure that's even more of a mental play on him because he's just like, I can't fuck this up. Um, I'm going to look like a fool. Yeah, 100%. Right now, he starts to overthink it. Whereas, you know, this this guy's probably made more tacos than I could ever count, right? I mean, like, I've made a fair share of tacos, but I haven't done it on a professional scale, aside from my taco that I beat Bobby with and put it on. But I don't consider that like an authentic taco. Um, it's a, it's a taco, but not authentic by any means, but Bobby has made countless tacos more than I can ever count. But again, when you get into someone's head, you know, you play like the fight game with them a little bit, right? Um, it's just as much about what you do leading up to the fight, uh, is just as important as the fight itself. It's, it's very, uh, like 
Kobe-esque in a way because like I don't know if you guys heard like there's a Kobe story like he'll go play like in like leagues where like there's like taller guys and when they double team him he's like just put on one more like bring one more like like he'll beat him in their own game which is kind of what you did really like you beat him at his own game which like you said could see in his face he was like wait what so I know me and Sam were like re-watching it like last week as we're like we're prepping for this and it was it was pretty cool to see like the whole episode again man it was pretty funny um I'm curious like how long like like how long in advance do you find out you're on the show like how do they give you because like you said it's in new york so is that like a super fast paced like thing over there or like is it like in a week a month like how long does that take i i'm gonna say a couple months i think i mean it wasn't that long but it also wasn't that short either um so i i honestly don't remember at this point but i'm gonna say like a couple months and i definitely prepared i yeah. definitely like if you had a camera on me at that moment of my life, you would have heard the Rocky montage. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I was putting myself through the challenges. I was doing mystery baskets. Like I, I just didn't want to be embarrassed on national yeah. TV again. You know, um, so I think the challenge was like thirty minutes, and I would time myself for twenty. So what you don't see on on the episode or maybe you do i don't remember is i finished early Mm -hmm. i I had it did not play that out it's like suspenseful it makes you feel like you're waiting until the last second same with like iron chef bullshit it's it's all for like the audience well it's funny you should mention that you know the power of editing is 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 real you know uh when i did chopped when i was there filming i was saying when i when i and when i got chopped as I, as I was walking away, I was saying to myself, like, oh, yeah, I totally deserve to get chopped. Like, my dish sucked. <laughs> I, w- I was just like, I deserved it. And then I watched the episode, and you see the way they edit it. You know, they edit it like you would never suspect I was going to be the one that gets chopped. Mm-hmm. So, like, emotional. And when I watched the episode, I was like, wait a second. No, what the fuck? I shouldn't have gotten <laughs> chopped. What, like... <laughs> <laughs> Whereas the day of, I was, I, I felt like I totally deserved it. So yeah, the the power of editing is, uh, you know, they like to um, manipulate things a little bit. Uh, I guess over dramatize is the word uh, is the term I'm looking for. I think I think like one of the coolest parts of the episode that you were on at least was Wiley Dufresne. Did you get to meet him? Like he said, your taco was great. Like that's a worldwide respected guy, man. Like he's no joke. He's a so, wild like, man. That was. Um, that was pretty awesome, you know, especially at the time, Wiley, he was probably at his peak, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was WD-50. Yeah. It was the time I've dined there and I had an amazing experience. So to have Wiley try the food, you know, and, and uh, like it as much as he did yeah. um, was, you know, I mean, at the time it, it was kind of a dream come true to to get acknowledged by a chef of that caliber. I will say, though, when it came down to the final voting, he did not pick my taco to win. Call him out. But no, because that's like I seen that. And like with he's a super humble chef, too. Very simplified. I mean, for what he's been doing for the last three years, it's like a big step backwards to just, you know, live a more humble enjoying life that's not like spotlight chef look at me um just like yeah more humble and more respect i I like that that's a lot of respect goes to that um yeah the reason why he he thought it lacked the 
refinement as far to, as the plating goes. And, you know, it, it is a, it is a messy taco, so to speak, but he did compliment the flavors. And that was, that was more than enough for me. You know, there was Michael Holtz and, uh, um, uh, I forgot the other guy, but the two guys from the meatball shop, they, they picked me to win. And those guys are also an, another team that I highly res- yeah. respect uh, in the culinary scene for sure. That, 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 that's pretty cool, man. So I guess like take us like after the show, I know you said like, you know, once they aired the episode, it was kind of like overnight. It really wasn't, but like, that's what it seemed like to everyone. And like, so how, how did you handle like the, like the pressure words and like, how, how'd you kind of get along afterwards? Well, then I imagine, like, you know, because the, the show was filmed and, you know, it was, what, three, four months before it aired. So, I mean, were you – and then also to add on to what Billy said, did you have to keep your mouth shut? I mean, were you able to just flex online or just not say a goddamn thing? Well, um, back then, social media wasn't quite the social media that it is today. So, I think back then it was mainly Facebook. I remember Instagram was just kind of starting. So, I'm not the type to really flaunt anyway. So I would tell my closest friends and colleagues uh, that I won. But for the most part, I did have to I did have to keep quiet. Um, and it was no longer quiet after the episode came out. That was for damn sure. I mean, like I mentioned, the, the restaurant was just insanely busy after that, which was great. Um, as far as like how I handled it and stuff like that, I have um, I, I, I'm a mental health uh, awareness advocate. So, um, you know, I suffer with depression pretty like not these days. It's very much in check, but I've suffered with depression for most of my life. Um, so I have this thing with um, when I achieve goals, you know, when I when I reach those highs, I have much harder come downs than the average person. Um, so ironically, after the beat Bobby Flay win, I fell into a depression because it's one of those bucket list things, right? You cross it off and you're like, holy shit, like what, what now? And for many people, it's like, well, you keep going, right? But for whatever reason, the way my brain works, I tend to just, like I said, hit, hit a bit, uh, hit a depression. Um, so I was in, a, you know, weirdly enough, I was kind of in this weird funk for a short time. Um, but eventually, like I got out of it, I sought treatment and I sought help. And like I said, I'm, I'm a mental health awareness advocate and it's something that um, is very important to me. But uh, that was the immediate effect, ironically, was just kind of, you know, hitting this high. And I remember winning the episode and I just kind of went a little numb, like I just didn't believe it. Um, I mean, we partied later that night and I definitely believed it in the morning when I woke up with that damn But, uh... (laughs) Uh, I, I know that may not be the answer you want to hear, but yeah, that's yeah. just that's just the honest truth. And I gotta I, I I gotta admit, like I feel like I haven't really slowed down since. You know um, that that episode just completely changed my career and put things into high gear. And sure, I had like you know some some uh, slower periods of my career since then. I mean that was 2014, but um, you know if if something is not keeping me busy, then I'm making myself busy. Like the, the episode certainly opened up other opportunities for myself um, to, to do, to do a lot more stuff, whether it's, you know, start a band or do a web series for a heavy metal, you know, website, something like that. And I don't know if Billy, you've ever like hung around with like uh, industry people um, when they party, 
they party. It's uh, I'm sure it was a bitchin' time to be out, and I don't know if you were just hitting up the bars or just local scenes, but I'm sure that was a killer night of celebrating because we know chefs gather together. It's pretty wild. Um, we don't get we don't get a chance to go out too much. Let's say so. You got to take advantage of it when you can. Yeah, we partied hard, and especially back then, you know, uh, uh, a mantra was, you know, you work hard and you play harder, right? Mm-hmm. So, yep. And you suffered through it the next day, and you did it again. Um, it was brutal. Um, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> Right? Like just one drink and then it turns into, you know, 10 <laughs> very quickly. So, yeah, no. Awesome. Well, I know, uh, Billy and I, we also wanted to discuss and give you a, a proper spotlight to obviously, you know, you discuss what happened immediately after the show. Um, what's going on now? What's this uh, What's this big thing you got in the works in, in New York, um, your turf, um, by your, uh, yeah, by your means? Uh, yeah, so, uh, so for the last two years, um, you know, pre, pre-pandemic, I started working on a project to open up a sandwich shop in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Uh, so I started doing R&D and then, of course, the pandemic hit and kind of messed things up for everybody, right? Um, so the project got put on hold and I, I had already started doing my R&D for, for this project. And, um, while I was stuck at home, I was, I was doing this R and D and I was like, you know what? I should throw some cameras on this and just make a show out of it. Like I'm already making these sick ass sandwiches. Why don't I, you know, get something out of it while I'm at home and don't have the, the time pressures of having to make a steak medium rare for 10 customers, you know, right now. Um, I don't, I, I can work at my own pace, so to speak. So that's how my web series on YouTube started, Sandwich Sunday. And being that, um, you know, I'm heavily involved in the heavy metal scene, I had befriended so many people in that scene uh, over the years, uh, especially because uh, one of the main restaurants that I worked at was so close to all the major venues where heavy metal bands would play. I'm talking within walking distance of all of them, or most of them, I should say. So um, I hit up my friends and I said, listen, I'm going to send you a questionnaire. And based on the answers of those questionnaires, I'm going to make you a signature sandwich. And, um, you know, as things with COVID got better, we're not out of it, but things are a lot better now. Um, My investors just saw this body of work that I had put into this project. They saw my passion for it. And despite being put on pause for so long, I was still working on this project. So secure the investments. Um, I've signed a lease. Uh, the other week, I just approved the floor plan for the kitchen layout. And uh, now we need to file with the city, get our permits, and start looking for contractors. So things are coming along nicely. Um, I'm not going to reveal the name of the shop yet uh, because I, I do have a very specific reveal in mind uh, to come a couple months from now. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what's going on with me. So I'm opening up a sandwich shop in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, targeted for early next year. So uh, early 2022. Yeah, that's been yeah, that's just that's been the main thing that I've been working on is my sandwich Sunday YouTube series, as well as opening up this sandwich shop. And um, 
I, I can't wait to get this place open and, and finally let the public. Well, I, I guess the public has already tried the sandwiches because I did a pop up recently. But um, yeah, I just can't wait to get it open and get started. What's your go to well, sandwich? If you like you walk into like any like regular old deli, what's your go to sandwich? Oh, man, that's hard. <laughs> I think it's, you know, it comes down to like where you're ordering from. Right. Like uh, if you're going to an Italian spot, you got to you got to get like the cold cuts, right? All the cold cuts and, you know, the dried oregano and red wine vinegar, lettuce, tomato, that type of deal. Um, if I'm going to like a specialty place, I usually ask them, like, what's your best sandwich? Like, what's your most popular sandwich? Same. That's the safest way to go for it, Billy. I mean, you, especially those chef driven restaurants, um, you see what they're passionate about and you're not let wrong. You're not led astray because they're not trying to do a little bit of everything. I mean, they're trying to finalize things. So I'm always being like, what do you guys like? Um, cause I'll get that and I'm stoked for it. I have no prior thought on what I want to eat when I'm at those places, but they're just like fun dive bars. I just want to get what they are passionate about. So I guess, um, so your shop, uh, I'm glad you mentioned when it's going to be opening next year, because I'm kind of tentatively planning like a, like a bachelor party, either in like New Orleans or New York. And it would be sooner than that. But I was just thinking, fuck, I might roll into your, uh, your shop and bring a whole, whole crew of dudes and, and, and just raise havoc. Um, but, but luckily for you, um, it'll be a little later. So no destruction. Well, you can <laughs> Now, 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 the place where people respect their local neighborhood spots the most in the country, like by far, man. Like when I went, when I was like in LA or Vegas or like any of these other big cities and like you ask the locals where to go eat, you know, in, in those big cities, like nine to 10 times, they either, you know, point to like a place that was like pretty franchised or like a place that's pretty trash. But like in New York, when I was there, like every place I was almost appointed to was like fire. And like, they're all like these like well-known spots within the neighborhood, like no one would know. So it's like uh, super intrigued, like you're making sandwiches on the East Coast where you grow up. It's super cool, man. It's very, very exciting. You know, I can't wait for you to open your shop. If I am in New York, I'm definitely going to stop by to get uh, your eggplant parm sandwich. Because if I was to go to any deli and they have anything Parmesan, that's, that's my go-to. I'm getting it. Whether chicken or eggplant. It's, eggplant's better, but this is definitely the fire move to go to, man. There's actually one eggplant sandwich uh, that I made recently for John Lamacchia of Candiria. That actually was legit one of my favorite sandwiches i've made thus far it was uh italian style um eggplant uh prosciutto burrata cheese balsamic glaze fresh shaped parmesan i think arugula radicchio and i also made like a garlic herb mayo and it's just out of control like one of the most balanced um flavorful yet still light sandwiches i've ever put together so that's that would like to put onto the menu for sure and that's something i must try uh, but to add to what you you know what you were saying about new york and its neighborhood spots yeah that's definitely one of the beauties of new york like i said um it's so diverse over here but you also have just so many pockets of 
uh, of cultures all over the city. Um, you can pretty much find an authentic anything for the most part. And yeah, it's a hundred percent true. Like there's always some mom and pop spot that you otherwise would have never heard of unless you went to a local to tell you about it. Like I can tell you right now, my favorite places to eat in New York are all tiny mom and pop spots. Although I did go to Keene's Steakhouse the other week, a buddy of mine um, treated me for dinner over there um, because I, like I said, I normally go for the small mom and pop places, but Keene's Steakhouse is like this legendary steakhouse in the city. And I was like, oh man, you know what? I really do appreciate when the bathroom's like super clean and the service <laughs> impeccable, you know, like they just totally pamper you. I, I just, I was just like, you know what? This is nice every once in a while, for sure. I, I, I can easily get used to this. It is, it, so back talking to sandwiches, I mean, obviously your eggplant parm would be killer. Do you have something in the work that's, you know, emphasis on heat? Got a little big spice in there or something you really like to put together? Yeah, so uh, there are two sandwiches that I am uh, putting together tomorrow for the heatnest Because I'm wondering oh. their... Uh, uh, items possibly well these two sandwiches in particular feature their sauces but um like i love heat and i would say almost all my sandwiches have some form of heat component like seven out of ten definitely have some kind of heat component uh, if it's not a sauce then it's red chili flake if it's not red chili flake it's pickled jalapeno i mean my mom's korean you know uh, i'm always gonna have I'm always going to be craving something spicy for sure. Uh, well then, man, I mean, again, thanks for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. I definitely learned a lot from all these episodes. I know Sam always does as well. Uh, this was kind of a chance, you know, to show the people like who we're interested in at the moment and give people to kind of a shout out what they got going on. So I know you said you have a pretty cool YouTube series. Where can people find that, man? Yeah. Uh, you can find me on basically all the social medias uh, at, at Chef Brian Sow. Brian spelt with an I. Sow spelt T as in Tom, S-A-O. So uh, the show on YouTube is called Sandwich Sunday. I have a new episode every Sunday of a unique sandwich combination. Check it out. Uh, sometimes those sandwich combinations are so good, they may make the menu on my sandwich shop. You'll just have to wait and see. And plug in your band. Anything else you got going on? Sure, yeah. Uh, so my band, Lost Becomes, we just actually put out a new single today called Healing. Um, it's available on all dig major digital streaming platforms. We also put out a music video yesterday. Um, very fun video. Uh, our drummer is a professional acrobat and stuntman, so we utilize the skills in the video. That's <laughs> killer. <laughs> Did a backflip, uh, you know, as long as well as featuring a lot of cool cameos by some of my um, notable friends in the metal industry. Definitely check it check it out. Again, the band is called Lost Becomes. The track is called Healing. Literally came out today, and uh, we're headed out on the road this weekend to play a, sh a few shows around New York. Sick, dude. That's badass. I'm gonna leave you with one last question. We ask everybody. You're driving across the country. It's, I don't know, let's say 1, 2 a.m. Stop by a gas station. You're getting some gas. You're with the homies taking a break. You're going to get three items. What are you going to get from the gas station? Gas station. Uh, okay. Well, I can tell you right now, uh, 
definitely a gallon of water. I drink a lot of water. Um, so you got to stay hydrated. One of the best things you can do for yourself. Uh, if I were to go to a gas station and if I wasn't like, I don't know, trying to watch my girlish figure, if they have honey buns, like those 50 cents, <laughs> I was a or 25 cents. I think now they're like a dollar. Mm-hmm. I see a honey bun like next to the register. Of course, it's got to be next to the fucking register, right? Yeah. I always grab one. And they're like not even that good, but there's just so much damn nostalgia it attached is. to it. Enjoy it every single time. They're just dry and kind yeah. of shitting out, but I get it. It's nostalgic. Nostalgia, you know, like <laughs> I can't believe I'm admitting that. It uh, is. So, it's facts. Got gallon of water, a honey bun, and uh, shit. You know, I, I'm actually not the type to to grab a lot when when I make pit stops. Like I like I'm very insistent of making my own coffee at home so I don't have to buy it out. Or like if I can pack my own lunch, I'll pack my own lunch because there was a time in my life. I'm just gonna leave you at two. <laughs> <laughs> so come on, gummy bears, something. Pack a gum, big red. No, I don't. You see, I don't. I purposely don't buy any of that stuff. There was a time in my life where I was so fucking broke. I was like stealing toilet paper from the restaurant, you know, Um, like (laughs) taking groceries from the walk-in and shit like that. You know, not much, but like to get by, you don't make much money as a cook when you first start out, you know, and you got to do everything you can to scrape by. And especially after my first restaurant closed, I was, I had, debt up the wazoo like debt that i only recently paid off you know uh so to a very long-winded answer to your question billy i would only I walk it. away two items from the gas station because i'm a cheap fuck i, l- I love well, it wouldn't you just like fill up a gallon of water before you left the, the house i mean it sounds like you got fucking honey buns that's it <laughs> Yeah, I would splurge on the 50 cents on a honey bun and you're sam you're actually correct I would have filled my water container before I left the house. That means I finished my water. Thus, I had to buy it at the gas station. It, it, was, it, was, it was a cross-country drive. Cross-country drive question. So I, I just wanted to know what people would get. Like whenever they stop by the gas station, they need like the necessities, like whatever it is. But no, no but water and honey bun is fire because I would go Cheetos, Dr. Pepper, and peanut M&Ms every single nope. time. I did think of something, uh, and I like this on a – now that you said cross-country drive, you know, that puts it more into context. Um, I always love those trail mixes that have M&Ms in it or those, like, coated raisins. Like, once I see those, I'm, I'm, I'm so in. Like, every long drive I go on, that's probably the snack that I'll walk away with. But well, it has- that's badass, man. Well, no, I know we're we're running short on time here. Um, Brian, it was fantastic to have you. Uh, I know I have a couple more questions. I'll just have to keep pestering you, bud. But I love our, our continued conversation. I wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors, man. It was badass to get to know you and uh, continue this little um this little chat we have. Yeah, thank you, uh, thank you. Uh, having me, guys. This was fun. Uh, Sam, you know, thank you for the sauces. I. Got him right here. The sauce drop. Hooked me up, and I did say I was going to let you know how what I thought of him, and you know my honest opinion. And no, I still got a few more minutes, so no rush. Oh, but you were saying about Sam sauce? Oh yeah, yeah, dude. uh, These sauces were great, and I, I, um, so I got this. I got a Traeger grill 
Traeger was nice enough to send me a grill and I did a, 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 a pork butt and uh, these went beautifully with it. So thank you very much. And, you know, this is not just from me. It was also from like the five other guests that I came had over at the house as well. And we all agreed that the sauces were awesome. So thank you. Bottles are really cool though. Uh, really cool as well. I, I like the choice. They almost look like elixir bottles. So nice. The old school, uh, kind of nostalgic. Well, they're four ounce glass Boston rounds where it kind of has that old school vibe. Uh, but no, I really appreciate the kind words and, and, you know, a chef to a chef. Um, it's nice to know uh, the shit don't suck because that was always the best compliment of my old chef. Um, instructors used to say to me when you'd like present them something they go it don't suck and you'd be like yes because <laughs> they're not gonna like you know blow you off and be like oh this is the greatest thing i ever fucking had but no i, I really appreciate those kind of words buddy um no it was just awesome to uh, send our guests a couple little goodies i definitely did i didn't mention this to billy but i've been just like kind of just throwing shit all over the place um and then it was really cool how i met you that we didn't really had a chance to bring up uh, it was Matt with a box and hops, um, Cryptopsy singer. I was chatting with him, uh, Billy. He's uh, this death metal singer um, up in Canada from Cryptopsy, this old grindcore tech death metal band from way back in the day. And he's their newest singer. And the dude's a beast, a hell of a voice, keeps up with the old days of worm. And then I just sent him a bottle of hot sauce for the hell of it. And he's like, hey, you should chat with Brian. I'm like, oh. Okay, and then he kind of got us tied together. And it's metal dudes, it's chef food, so it's pretty awesome. That is great. Now, I know, you know, you guys are interviewing me, but what got you guys into the into the hot sauce game? And Billy, you know, you more specifically are more into, um, like, chili oils, right, if I'm mm -hmm. not mistaken. Like, what, you know, what, what possessed you guys to be like, you know, I like this stuff, I like it so much, I need to make my own. Billy, take it away. Uh, for me, man, like I said, I used to do restaurant sales, and it was a very, like, corporate environment. Uh, it was, like, enterprise restaurant sales, so it was, like, meetings with people who, like, never really dealt with food, but acted like they knew everything about it. Uh, so, uh, and then, like, I just saw, like, for me, what did it, man, I saw a lot of businesses that I would go talk to that, like, these people would want to be like, I want to give my restaurant to my son or my daughter, but they don't want it. And I always thought, like, why wouldn't you take like a gold mine? Now, if it's not your dream, that's a different story. But like, like I always wish I had that kind of opportunity. So I kind of left my corporate gig last year in the middle of the pandemic. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to start doing something. I like chili oil and hot sauces because I feel like there's such a niche for it. And like there's such a big community for it. Like these freaks and psychos who all they want to do is eat spicy shit and rip their tongue in half. I think it's pretty cool. Like, and like what i noticed was like they're so much more engaged in the product than what it did for them on instagram or like for the likes so like i just thought it was like a super pure community and chili oil was always like honestly one of my favorite things i remember like i used to work at this korean restaurant and the lady there she brought me a jar of lagan ma and i was like this is the greatest thing this is the best thing you can buy with three dollars anywhere i used it on everything i brought it to my my parents are middle eastern i took it back to my parents house they were like, what the hell is this? Like, everyone loved it. I knew it was a thing. So I just, like, really always click with chili oil more so than, like, hot sauce a little bit. But I feel like they're both in the same company. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Got it. And I guess for me, it was just a, you know, like chef background um, with always the, the the mindset of preservation. I used to grow a ton of peppers when I was a little, like in the back of my bottle reads, like, you know, when I was a long haired metal head growing peppers in my dad's backyard in high school. Um, and that still, that stands true. Um, I loved hot things. I loved burning my buddies, just growing crazy peppers back there. The, the red Savina uh, was the hottest pepper uh, back in like 2006, 2007. And that was like 500,000 Scoville units. Now it's like two, three million. Um, but yeah, and then it was just the whole preservation aspect of it. The fermenting, um, getting more flavors, more in-depth, more involved in making a, a true chef-inspired craft hot sauce, if that's a thing. I know people could consider that a niche, but it's food that I personally create, that I personally enjoy every single day. I feel like I'm doing myself justice because these are products that I'm so really happy about. That's awesome, man. Um, I, I respect anyone who who uh, goes into their own hustle. So my hat goes off. My hat goes off to you guys. <laughs> hey, much respect. But and then something else I would like to mention too. Um, obviously, Billy's the um, the chili oil guy. We just recently spoke to Max um, from Boone Sauce a few weeks ago so we just released his episode and that was a killer episode just speaking to another like chef background driven person um going for their own hustle um i snuck him a quick question i'm gonna throw it at you uh, what's your go-to chef knife like you know you got two um go-to's you're gonna go anywhere so what are you bringing um styles size brands let her rip so man I, i've been using the same knife for so long i forgot forgot the size i think it's uh an eight inch i'm pretty sure it's like an eight inch um but i've been using it for so long it's a it's called it's a brand called takamura um they're not you know it's a japanese brand they're not super pricey but man are they great quality they hold an edge forever i've been using the same one forever so yeah the, a, a takamura eight inch knife um is my go-to it's like my number one and then i always keep a second knife that's what I just call a beater knife, you know, something that you need to like hack away at shit at and well, like lobster shells, you know, something you don't mind like getting damaged. And that's the knife you lend out to somebody. If <laughs> they should bring their own knives. So that Takamura, was that like an eight inch, just like um, Gyoto chef knife, Santoku? Um, let's see. Do I have it here? I have a tool. I have uh, like one of my spare toolboxes. No, show us, show us. <laughs> it's it, it's upstairs in the kitchen. I guess I get off on this shit just a little bit. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a br it's a brown handled, um, just standard Japanese chef knife. Uh, I I wouldn't say it's like, um, you know, it doesn't have the fancy carvings on it or anything. It's not like a kiritsuke or nothing. No, I I tend to not go for that type of stuff. Um, I had this American-made guitar when I was 15 years old that I lost, and ever since then I try not to splurge too much on the tools of the trade, so to speak, you know, in case you lose it. And then after I adopt that mentality, I basically lose nothing after that. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just more of a humble because I know Max spoke of a couple knives, which he, he was just like, you know, they're simple beaters, but they're six seven hundred dollar chef knife which i'm like that's fantastic i have a killer blue steel kiritsuke that i don't really use much um which is kind of sad otherwise it's always just like a chef knife for me um whether it's just like a small seven eight inches for like small prep and like a petty knife i think that's all i really need i love those just those two combos 
Oh, or like you said, a nice beater knife for cracking chicken uh, bones or just, you know, blapping into stuff and not worrying too much about it. You know, I, I uh, worked that had really crap equipment and they could cook circles around me. You know, a, a bunch of the, um, you know, Latinos that I've worked with in the kitchen, they had just a standard like eight inch, nine inch Vicronics. I think that's how you pronounce it. Or even their Dexters and they, they're sound they kick ass. And, you know, they maintain it. They, they keep an edge on it and they're able to get the job done. So observing stuff like that my entire career, it just kind of, um, you know what? The, the answer to that question for me is I would rather have a sharp, shitty knife than a dull, expensive one. Yeah. And just how you kind of maintain things. Right. So my favorite knife is the sharp knife. <laughs> so was well said then yeah speaking of like the hispanic community um i've had many people um hired come into my crews and these guys they just show up but there's their dexter their basic um cheap plastic uh composite handle knife and all of my other chef uh i guess more hierarchy people would just kind of scoff and i'm just like dude this guy's gonna prep you under the table right now they're just beasts they know their shit and they've got an edge fuck it they're awesome so uh I, tr I try not to get too hung up on the gear. Now, my guitar shit is another story, but... Maybe that's another podcast in general, because, Billy, we're going to blow your head off. <laughs> well, well, it's funny, because, like, even as musicians, we're on complete opposite ends. You guys are metal guys, and I studied, like, jazz in college. So it's like we're just on the complete, like, other spectrums of, like, shit, like, as it is. So it's pretty cool. That's fantastic, though. That's really cool shit. Um, I have a lot of respect for, like, true jazz or, like, old traditional blues, folk music and a lot of goofy stuff i mean i'm on the happiest metalhead you'll ever see but also i like a lot of goofy shit i listen to hip-hop pretty much about the same amount as i listen to metal like i'm definitely more passionate about metal but hip, you know growing up in the northeast in in, in new york city like there's no way you're gonna escape hip-hop it's you know if i'm not listening to it my neighbor is yeah. or my it is it's just i've been surrounded by it and i i didn't fully embrace hip-hop until like three four years ago like i've always liked it because i was always surrounded by it but i never actively sought it out until recently um but yeah i, I listen to as much hip-hop as i do heavy metal i know we spoke about like you know your favorite metal bands which we don't have to you know go into that but you know what's what's like a go-to uh, what do you listen to when you're in the kitchen or when you're developing recipes or when you're actually like trying to be in the zone with something? I mean, do you have like a go-to as a, you know, some old school M&M or are you getting like crazy with some Slayer and Anthrax? <laughs> so lately, listen to as much metal when I'm working in the kitchen um, because I find more times than not that I'm the only one that's actually enjoying listening to it. <laughs> Um, and, you know, as much as like, there. For most of my career, I've always been, you know, I've always been jefe, but, uh, you know, I, I also don't want to drive my staff mad as well. Um, I can tell you right now, like the first thing I put on lately when I'm just doing a little bit of R&D is usually like Run the Jewels. That's probably my favorite, you know, one of my favorite hip hop acts as of today. Um they're the they're the group I probably listen most to at the moment. They're and, so uh, awesome. Yeah, they're just it's just you know they're just as heavy as fucking any metal band. It really out is. There. Yeah, it's just you know not just the music but their delivery, mm -hmm. fucking 
lyrics and just so I kind of get like the heavy bone out of me, but it's not pummeling distortion. And like I love my pummeling distortion, but when it comes to doing the R and D for my food, I definitely like to be with metal. Like I listen to it too actively. It's like you're doing air drums and fucking. Really into it, and I pay attention to it a lot more. Not to say I don't pay attention to when I listen to hip hop, but it's something I kind of—that's a music style I I absorb more passively. I guess Mm. is the end. And you're talking about like the aggressive sides of it. I mean, it's not necessarily like DMX, where it's just fucking in your face and mean as shit. But even Aesop Rock. I mean, I felt a lot of like, you know, that was some heavy uh, instinctual kind of like not metal per se, but kind of gives that vibe where it's like, you know, it's mean and gritty. Um, You know, they're grinding their teeth away a little bit. I feel like like reggae is always good, like kitchen music as well. I know it's a little lighter than metal, but like in most like restaurants that I've worked at and I was never like a chef. I did like front of house my entire like stand in the kitchen, but like it's always like reggae is always in the back. Oh, yeah, dude. Um. You know, it's it's not quite reggae, but I fucking love ska. Yeah, like or ska, yeah. First generation ska. Um, I also like, you know, the, the, the second and third generations, like Mighty Mighty Boston's and early No Doubt and stuff. But like first generation. Oh, no Doubt was this shit. That was my little, little, little girl crutch when I was a little kid. She was <laughs> a hot E. <laughs> you and I both, my friend. But you uh, <laughs> tone ska, man. Love that stuff. So good. It's it's funny because because where I work now I work at like a little supermarket here I work in the produce section so like when we're setting up in the morning like five to like seven a.m. you'll hear like the background music they're playing like the nice little like songwriter like little soft music and then the Mexican dudes like in the front when they're doing the produce I swear to God it'll go from like the most like Mexican music there is with, like the trumpets and the brass and all that and the next song will be like Marilyn Manson and I'm just looking like at six in the morning I'm like what is this mix of like just completely different worlds and they're over there like rocking out they're like yeah dude it's just so funny it's so dude, like music down in mexico is a huge um i mean a lot of my little hispanic bros they'd, they'd throw like el son dondito or suave mente or all these goofy goofy tunes but then they're just like oh oh yeah metallica like yeah dude. like that's fucking the shit for them they love that shit um and it'd really be surprising how much um you know music's out there and people kind of adapt to it it is like like I'm here like Tijuana is probably like 20 minutes from my house and like I just keep hearing like all the clubs out there like they're pretty like rock and like metal heavy like it's not any like rap or hip hop which is pretty surprising because like I know there's not strip clubs there so like like no rock and metal is the way to go there man I'm like sick let's go across the border strip clubs <laughs> and metal is this is it's, it's pretty tight man it's a beautiful thing beautiful combination. It is. Well, it's fantastic, man. Well, I know we could probably let this go forever, but my main reason to want to continue this is uh, make sure we give you um, appropriate plugs. I know you spoke about your YouTube channel. Um, I mean, is there anything else people do to keep an eye on you? Uh, uh, like which episodes you aired on for, you know, Beat Poppy Flay, um, you know, Chopped, a lot of those things. People people listen, man. They want to know. I mean, uh, uh look me up on uh, just google me chef brian sow my beat bobby flay episode will come up but as far as what i'm doing in this immediate time best way to keep up with me is on instagram also at chef brian sow brian with an i sow spelled t as in tom sao um that's where i have my most up-to-date stuff i'm active on all social media platforms but instagram's always the first one that gets updated so check that out you know of course instagram has the visual aspect to it as well 
And uh, like I said, new episode of Sandwich Sunday every Sunday. Uh, so check me out. Check out Lost Becomes. And that's really it, man. Look out for the new sandwich shop in early next year. Um, keep hustling, everybody. <laughs> awesome. Billy, anything else you want to chime in with? I got my fill. No, that's it, man. Thanks so much for taking the time to come on here, man. Again, is, I know you're a busy guy. We really appreciate it. And whenever you have some free time, man, we can always do this again whenever you want. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Keep the hustle going and uh, take care. Have a good night. Right on, buddy. Have awesome. a good one. Cheers, Brian. Always good talking to you, Billy, too. Take care, guys.